My Car Guru, episode 172. Good morning, everybody. This is Lenny Lawson, the car guru, and um, I'm in somewhat of a confessional mood this morning. Well, not really, but that, the radio show is kind of brings this out in me. You know, I am a real live new car dealer with a twist. I do tell it like it is, and I tell it like it is whether it's uh, on a radio show about car dealers and the car business like this is, or if it's in my daily business because I've found that that's the best way to be. Well, you know, sometimes you have to use a little finesse uh, to tell it like it is, because some people just don't want to hear the truth, you know? I mean, it's just like the guy that traded in a truck to me not too long ago, and uh, he didn't like what we were allowing him for the truck, but we thought it was fair, and so we ended up trading. Um and so we reconditioned the truck, put it through our reconditioning process, and put it back out on the lot, which is what we do. You know, once we service the truck and get all, you know, make sure it has fresh fluids and doesn't have any uh, glaring issues, make sure the tires are good and it's got brake pedal and so forth, then we put it on the lot and resell it. Well, we we did that, and then the customer took it and uh, to had it inspected. I don't know what he was having done to it. He had it inspected or something after he bought the vehicle and uh, found out that it was uh, had a little bit of rust uh, on the underside of the cab. Well, that upset him, and he went and traded it. And he didn't trade with us. He went and traded it at another dealership. And then came back to us after he traded and said, I lost this many thousands of dollars when I traded with this gentleman, this other car dealer, and I want you to pay me back. Now, you know, I have a problem with that. I guess my first problem is that, uh, you know, if the rust was bad enough on that vehicle, we would have seen it. We would have caught it. So we really didn't get to go. We didn't take any pictures of it or anything. So we really didn't know what it looked like. And he goes and trades it without coming back to us. And we asked him why he did that, and he said because he was mad. And I can understand being upset, uh, but still, give us a chance. You know, give the dealer a chance to make things right. Some people won't. Um, You know, sometimes people treat any other businesses like that, a restaurant. Uh, you get you know one bad food. I went to a, a very famous fast food chicken establishment uh, today, as a matter of fact, and and uh, no, it was yesterday, and got my um, got the wrong salad dressing for two times in a row. You know, I go through the drive-through and I asked for my balsamic vinaigrette, and they gave me Italian, and it's real salty, and I'm not supposed to eat a lot of salt right now. So anyway, I went back and I said, you know. This was the second time. I got out of my car. It was raining. I'd rather have not gotten out of my car, but I went in. I said, you know, the last two times I've come through the drive-thru, I've asked for balsamic, and they gave me Italian. And she said, well, I'm so sorry, sir. Let me go get your balsamic. So she went and got it and also handed me two um, gift cards for free sandwiches. Well, that was nice, and I appreciated that. You know, businesses mess up. And when they mess up, you need to tell them. So this guy, he chose not to tell us and went and traded, but he comes back after the fact and said, I want this much money. And it was a pretty big number. And I I don't know, I had a little heartburn over it, 
to be honest. I just really uh, felt like we should have gotten a shot at it. And he said, well, I was just mad. So what should I do? Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of dealers would just tell them to go pack sand. But we we looked at the situation. We think about the, the uh, big picture and, you know, the impact that an upset customer can have on a business through, you know, Google ratings and Facebook posts and all that stuff. And, and maybe it did have rust on it. I don't know. But we looked at it, and we decided to give him what he was asking for. Now, I'm not trying to, again, I say this a lot. I'm not trying to be a martyr on this show. I'm just telling you what my, our business philosophy is. But we really had to think about that one. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think he should have given us a shot. I mean, I could have just paid him nothing and just said, you know, your mistake was not coming back to us. But then again, big picture thinking. So, um, you know, I try to look at the big picture a lot. I try to think about, especially on this radio show, what can I do to help people save money on a pretty big deal, which is their their uh, automotive life, their transportation. And, um, you know, everybody's not in the market for a car at any, at any given time. But, you know, the way I've always looked at the car business is that sometime in the next four or five years, everybody is going to be in the market for another car. It may not be a new car, but a different car. You know, they're either upgrading because of a family situation or sending a kid to college or, you know, any number of reasons why people trade. And so if I can intervene in that process and help them, then I'm excited about doing that. Now, the business has changed dramatically over the last two years. It has never been such a seller's market. And the reason it's become a seller's market is just because of the shortage of cars and the restrictions on because of the chip shortages and you know because of just supply chain disruptions of all kinds. Even the shipping of cars has been a problem because they can't find truck drivers. So that has changed the whole landscape of interaction with dealers uh, because, you know, one time uh, people would shop around a lot and go from dealership to dealership just beating dealers down on price, you know, just negotiating and negotiating until you get something at or below the factory invoice and then take away all the rebates and, you know, you've got what you thought was a really good deal. Well, you know, today that's just not the case. The supply of cars is just not out there. It's a lot easier to negotiate a price down when the dealer has 300 cars on the ground. Um, today he might have 12. And when he's got 12 cars, he's not in the mood to negotiate. Now, he still should be nice and everything like that, but still, you're going to pay MSRP or better. Now, isn't that what you all wanted? Didn't you uh, clamor? to have a non-negotiated process when it came to buying cars where everybody paid the same price. I mean, that's what all the surveys said. People hated negotiation. But anyway, uh, now you've got what you wished for. But it means that uh, everybody's paying MSRP or higher. Even common, everyday cars. You know, you may think a, a Kia. I mean, who would pay over a window sticker for a Kia? Plenty of people. They're buying that Kia Telluride or the Hyundai Palisade, its sister vehicle. Uh, they're just very, very popular. So people are uh, going into the dealerships and paying ten and $15,000 over window sticker for a Kia Telluride when they could come to a Ford dealer and, and buy a Ford Explorer for MSRP. 
Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm a Ford Explorer kind of guy. But still, um, you know, it's it's a, a different market. But there are still things that uh, car shoppers can do to, um, you know, make the process go better and also actually end up paying a little bit less money. And I'll share that with you here in just a minute. Okay, I'm back. You know, a lot of the reasons that people end up paying too much money for a car is out of just not knowing the whole process and how the dealership works and how inventories affect pricing and how, you know, interaction with the salesperson, how some of the things that you say as a buyer get you in trouble from the get-go. And the salespeople, you know, at the dealership, they know what to ask you in order to maximize their potential for profit. I mean, one of the biggest things they try to do is try to get you to focus on the monthly payment and not on the price that you're paying for the car. And so if you're, you encounter a salesperson, for example, and the first words out, are, or maybe not the first words, but maybe the somewhere in the, the early dialogue, they say something like this. Well, how much were you looking to pay per month on your new car? Or what are you paying now on your old car? Or they may just say, do you have a payoff on your old car? Now, they're fishing when they say that because more than likely they know that you do have a payoff, especially if it's a relatively late model car. And then uh, they want to know, they'll get to the question of how much you're paying now. And then they'll ask you, how much are you willing to pay to get into a new car? Well, you should never answer that question. You shouldn't even entertain that question. You know, if they do say, uh, how much is your payoff on your car? Say, well, that's not really relevant right now. Why is it not relevant? Because I want to pick out the right car for me. Well, how do you know what you can afford? Well, if you did the research before you went into the dealership, based on you know, as a sale price of, say, $35,000, what's your monthly payment going to be for 60 months? You know, If you pay $5,000 down or whatever your down payment level is. Do the math before you go in. Know how much... Um, how much you can buy with the dollars that you can afford per month. But don't, don't share that with the salesperson. Don't even talk about payment until you find out what you're paying for the car. Okay. So, obviously, I was looking, I was looking at, uh, what is this, Edmunds.com. They were talking about the 11 biggest mistakes car shoppers make. I don't disagree with many of these. We'll, we'll touch each one. Skipping the research phase. I think that's critical. I mean, with the with the internet, it's far better than going to a dealership and getting a brochure. There's a lot of information that you can get as far as road tests uh, with uh, different car magazines and you know, like Road and Track, Car and Driver, Motor Trend. You know, these car magazines do tests all the time on on new models, and you can find out what they have to say about it. I think that's important. I would do that. Uh, of course. Edmonds recommends that you not shop at just one dealership, and I, I probably agree with that as well. You know, you can, you know, 30 years ago, you went from dealership to dealership until you got a price that you felt comfortable with. You know, a lot of people would go to one dealership, get a price, and then leave, and as long as the other dealer beat the other dealer's price, then they were going to buy it instead of going back to the first dealer because he's the one that had the courage to give you a price in the first place so that you could go shopping. But a lot of people didn't see it that way. But you know, one thing that I always found out, if they ran into a really competent, friendly, um, helpful salesperson at dealership one, 
that it really didn't matter what dealership two did because they were going to go back and give that good salesperson a chance. And I think that's great. That's just being a good human being. Uh, if somebody, I like to see somebody work for my business. Don't you? Like a waiter at a restaurant, I mean, if they work really hard, I'm going to give them a good tip. Um, you know, it's just that I, I think we need to reward a good behavior on the people who are serving us, and that's exactly what they're doing. Shopping at one dealership, uh, you know, you can find out pricing really easy online if you go through the BDC, uh, the Business Development Center is what what it's called. That's when you call the dealership and say, yeah, I'm interested in buying a car, saw something on the inter- internet, click. Next thing, next time you're talking to a really nice lady or young man who's uh, who's really good with phone skills and finding out, giving you as much information as they have to um, so that the ultimate goal, obviously, is to get you in the dealership. Now, we sell a lot of cars online without ever seeing the customers until they come pick up the car or we end up delivering their car to their house or to a city near us or we ship the car to them. Um, and that happens. That's not the way we prefer it. We'd like to get to know the folks that we're selling cars to, but you know, some of them don't want, don't need any new friends, so that's okay. So don't ignore the internet department. I agree with Edmonds on this. Don't focus on the monthly payment. That's that's another one of their biggies. That should have been at the at the top, in my opinion. Uh, also, uh, one of number five on their list is not doing an appraisal of your trade in. Well, you're not qualified to do that. Um, so, you know, the best way to find out what's, what your car's worth is to find out what somebody's willing to pay for it. Now you can find that out online through Carvana. They'll, they'll do it. They have an appraisal tool. CarMax does. They can give you a ballpark figure. You can look at kbb.com and look, look what retail value is, trade-in value, uh, private party value. You know, private party is just if you sell it to your neighbor or to somebody that you don't know, but you advertise it on Facebook Marketplace or something. I don't know why that private party pr- uh, price is less than the retail. You know, I guess they're both retail in a certain way, but, um, of course, the dealer uh, it, advertised price is going to be higher than probably he anticipates taking for the car, although there are, are exceptions to that. There's a dealer in Knoxville that I do a lot of business with, and they have one price on their used cars. And, um, you know, if you said, well, how much are you willing to knock off of it? And they say, sorry, we just have one price. We don't, we don't negotiate on our prices. That's what the price is. Are you sure or you won't knock off a hundred? No, we won't knock off any. They have to be consistent with that or the whole thing falls apart like a bunch of Lincoln logs. Um, so doing an appraisal, knowing, at least a ballpark figure, what your car is worth. You know, you can call some dealers. You can call me, for that matter, 552-2020. That's 423 area code. I need your VIN number. I need your uh, mileage. And, you know, what package, what trim package does a vehicle have on it? And then we will come up with a value that you can go shopping with. And if they won't give you that much for your car, then call me and I'll just write you a check as long as it passes my inspection. You know, you can't describe everything. I mean, you could have a car that has really good miles and, um, you know, has the right equipment on it stuff. And then when you see it, it's got dings and dents and stuff like that all over it. And, and you forgot about when you hit the deer and, you know, and that tires, the, the, for example, the tires are all scrubbed and the wheels have scrubs on them. And you, that stuff becomes invisible to you, but it's not invisible to somebody that's appraising your car. So that's why that number gets adjusted sometimes. You know, you see these dealers, they advertise, we'll give you $8,000 over book value for your trade. Well, that never happens. 
you know, and and if it does happen, it's like a shell game. They just jacked up the the sale price on the the new vehicle. Wouldn't it be nice if all of these games that dealers have played over the years would just stop someday, and uh, all of a sudden everything is just straightforward? What's the price on the car? Well, it's right there on the window. Will you negotiate? No, we will not. And what's my car worth? Well, it's worth what the book says. What's the book say? Well, this is the number. Wouldn't that be great? Just a real straightforward transaction. But it's always going to be a little squirrely on the trade-in. That's just the way it's going to be because that dealer is having to put that money in your car hoping that he can turn around and resell it for a higher price. And that's that's how most car dealers, most new car dealers make money is through their used car department. So a couple other things. Um, always go on a test drive, folks. I've, I've talked about this before. Just make sure that the car feels right, especially if it's a used car. But if it's a new car, even you need to drive it because you may not like it. The steering may be a little stiffer than you're used to. I've seen that happen on I remember a good friend of mine bought a Lincoln MKX from me. It was a little sport utility vehicle, basically the same thing as a Ford Edge. And they had come out of an, an older Lincoln, and uh, they just said, I don't need to drive it. They didn't drive it. A couple days later, they're calling me saying, Lenny, I don't like this thing. How come? Because it's too stiff. I can't turn the steering wheel. They had had open-heart surgery, or he had had open-heart surgery, and it just, you know, I guess that scar and everything is just really sensitive, and he, it was hard to turn. What do you do about that? I don't remember what we did. We might have traded him out of it, for all I know. But it was a, it's, it's another reason why you should always test drive a vehicle, just in case you've had open-heart surgery. Okay, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, um, I agree with this. Call your insurance agent. Make sure you know what your insurance rates are going to be on your new car. If you've got a 10-year-old car, I guarantee your insurance is going to go up. You may not have thought about that. Uh, This is pretty obvious. Don't buy a car from a salesperson you don't trust. Are you pretty good at judging people right off the bat? I mean, you know, not judging them for their character or anything like that, but just whether or not they're your kind of folk do they seem a little pushy? You know, are they really are they listening to you? You know, when you say something, uh, do they remember? Do they remember your name? You, I tell you what, that's a big problem with a lot of salespeople. They'll introduce themselves. You'll tell um, you'll tell them your names, and five minutes later, what did you say your name was? What I always like to say when they say this: Well, it's the same thing I told you it was a few minutes ago. So if you don't like your salesperson. Don't buy from him. You know, you can go someplace else, or you can just ask for a different salesperson. Uh, I know that's awkward, but sometimes we have to do those things which are awkward. Uh, also, don't underestimate the importance of the financing and the extra fees and stuff that the dealership is going to charge you. Find out what their processing fees are. Uh, most dealerships, I'd say the average probably four to seven hundred dollars is what they're charging, and the reason they charge that is just it's just extra profit. I mean, over the years, car manufacturers have squeezed profit margins to the point where you know if if you sell something for MSRP, you might be making six or seven percent. So, and and most dealers weren't selling stuff for MSRP. They were selling stuff for invoice or below, so there was very little profit left. So they started charging or coming up with excuses to make extra profit or make some profit on the deal. So they came up with documentary fees. Uh, 
But find out what they are and make sure there aren't any other fees, especially if you're buying a really, really hot car online and you go to the dealership. This happens so often today is that, oh, by the way, you have to buy this extra package in order to get that Ford Bronco. Well, how much is it? Well, it's just $4,995. But if you don't buy it, you don't get the Bronco. That happened to a lot of Corvette buyers as, as well. Didn't happen to me when I bought my Corvette, but I did pay, I hate to say it, fifteen grand over window sticker for my Corvette. But I, And, you know, I ended up turning around and selling that thing six months later and making money. So you just never know. Well, I'm going to take my uh, second break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. Yeah, when you're buying a car and you've done the, the deal, supposedly out there, you've agreed to a sales price, and you... Based on that sales price, you found out what your monthly payment is. You're going to go into the finance office and make sure that uh, whatever they sell you, you know the price of the products that they're, sell- that they're uh, selling to you. For example, if you're buying a, a service contract, commonly referred to as an extended warranty, uh, just know what you're paying for it. Uh, if, if they say, well, it's just going to be an extra $25 a month. Oh, $25 a month, that's nothing. When, when you multiply that times 84 months, that's a lot of money. Uh, like I said, you shouldn't pay more than a couple grand, maybe for a, an extended warranty. Maybe higher on a, uh, definitely higher on a diesel truck or something like that. But just uh, you might need to shop around on that a little bit as well. Uh, gap insurance, uh, some of the other aftermarket products that they sell, like the protect your uh, or your car from dents and dings and tire and wheel damage, and there's all kinds of different packages that dealers sell. Just find out what's in the package and how much are you paying for it as a sale price, and then you can think about what it's uh, costing you per month. But you just got to be careful about that. Also, um, I don't know, just one of the things that I always say, if you feel like you're pressured, if you feel like you're in a hurry, if you're real nervous about buying a car, just go home and think about it. You don't have to buy it today. I know the salesperson, you know, wants you to buy it today. The sales manager, everybody in the dealership wants you to buy it today. But that might just not be the right thing for you to do. So don't hesitate to leave if you feel undue pressure. You know, when that uh, salesperson's working with you and all of a sudden he can't close you, so the manager comes and he takes a stab at you and he can't close you, and then somebody else, their ultimate uh, closer, um, you get to talk to him as you're going out the door and he pulls out all of his bag of tricks. Just keep walking. You know, get the keys to your car. Oh, we... We don't know. We lost the keys to your car. We can't find them. Uh, yeah, if you get in that kind of situation, you're at the wrong dealership, folks. You need to to move on. Um, now, you know, most dealers aren't this way, but I just uh, I think that, that you need to be very cognizant of the fact that you are being pressured and um, you are paying too much. And hopefully some of these tips will help you Uh, realize that before you step into one too deep. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will see you next time.